Hello, everyone. Hello. And welcome to episode 74 of the D&D Music Factory podcast. I'm David. And I'm Dan. And Dan, tell everybody what we will be breaking down today. So this week, we are back with our monthly special of doing a deep dive into an artist catalog and selecting the 10 best songs from there to present to you. Make an argument about these are the 10 best. This is the best 10 that either we enjoy the most or we feel represents the artist best. That we also haven't talked about. That we haven't brought up in previous episodes. Yes. So this week we are going with, or this month I should say, we are going with the the legend, the late, the great, you know him, you love him, the artist known only as Prince. That's right, baby. And sometimes not even that, known as a squiggly, weird little symbol. Yeah. We're a squiggly, weird little genius. Yeah. This is, Prince is a multi-instrumentalist, uh, famously from Minneapolis. Uh, which is not a place you would expect the R&B man of the three decades to yeah. be from. Doesn't sound like the, the R&B hub of America. Well, that's because it's not. But it is because Prince is from there. Well, yeah. I mean, they got that. <laughs> they, yeah. But they got Prince. Yeah. It, it's not, it, they didn't. There's no such thing as like the Minneapolis sound, though. That is You know true. what I mean? Like there's no there's nothing signature about it except for they happen it happens to be where one of the greatest musicians of all time was from it is absolutely where he's from he yeah. is often known as a reclusive enigmatic man um, yes a man of a person who owns one of the greatest falsettos in music that i've ever heard yeah um can write the sexiest jams most rocking guitar tunes most danceable disco tracks he, he can does, do it all baby he does hip-hop he does jazz he's yeah. done fusion He's done absolutely everything. He's produced girl groups. He's the one that fucking found Lizzo for you. Crazy. This dude's amazing. He was the yeah. greatest of all time. Also immortalized forever in what has come up a, a number of times recently for us on the Chappelle show. Um one of the greatest story. game blouses. Game blouses. One there's, of the most quoted lines of our lifetime. There's an amazing story um, that was told on one of Jimmy Fallon's shows about going to play Prince and ping pong. Um, that's absolutely insane. And yeah, everything that I hear about Prince, I assume is true. Yeah. Same. Um, unfortunately he was passed away. Um, tragically in 2016 due to an accidental overdose. Um, I think the, the rigorous working and touring conditions of his life just let him down. He had a back injury and the only way he was able to produce, was to take a massive amount of opiates every single day and just mix some doses up. And we lost yeah. one of the greatest multi-instrumentalists the world had ever seen. Yeah, that shit will get you. Um, and unfortunately, he's one of many people that have fallen victim to that sort of thing. And uh, in what's, I believe, I'm not incorrect in saying there was fentanyl involved. Um, yeah, very much so. And, uh, you know, that is not something that uh, can or should be fucked with. So be careful out there um, yeah. because it's it's number the number of, of great people is taking from us is growing. And he was one of the first, actually, I think of that I can hear of that I knew specifically with that drug that it was involved. Certainly the most high profile. For yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. um, so, Prince, if you don't know him, that's insane. Yeah. And you should. Absolutely, then you've clearly never had sex. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's definitely really true. Yeah. Um, he is. Also, because you're most likely too young. <laughs> um, oh, when what in, in that case? What are you doing listening to this podcast? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Get out of here, kid. I mean, no, scram. You know, no disrespect, but you know, 
But with that, uh, he has released 39 studio albums uh, before passing away. And that's not including some of his side projects, produced other records for other artists. Yeah. That doesn't include how he basically wrote all the songs for the time. Yeah. Um, as well as Sheila E. solo projects. Yep. Um, he had a side jazz group that he didn't tell anybody about for the longest time called Madhouse. Yeah, and who was who was his like uh secret artist that he wrote Nothing Compares to You under? Uh that is uh was that New that, Power Generation? I think so. We we discussed it on on a previous episode when I brought that up. Yep. It was on the opposite sex covers and yeah, I mean he he just he wrote songs under aliases all the time. He like, also, like he, the dude was nuts. He, he was he was constantly he was incredible. He was so talented, so talented. There's um, a quote I think from Eric Clapton where somebody asked Eric Clapton, um, you know, what it was like to be the greatest guitar player of all time, and he said, "I don't know, go ask Prince." That's incredible. Yeah, uh, uh, like we all I mean, have first, seen... first of all, fuck Eric Clapton. We all know that, but like, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, still, still, like you know, awesome for somebody that was widely considered to be that good to say that about you is pretty fucking cool yeah uh yeah. he produced the film himself uh purple rain yeah if you haven't seen uh it is not the best movie and i will comedically come out and say that a lot uh if you ever ask me about it it is a absolute triumph of a record and absolute and without a doubt incredible the movie leaves a bit to be desired it's a bit silly um and I don't know if Prince would agree with that because he's a very much a person who didn't like to speak about or critique his own art. He yeah. was much more interested in what other people thought of it. So if you're like, Oh, what do you think about, do you think this is your greatest record of all time? And he'd be like, I don't know. I don't think I've written my greatest record yet. Like, I think that's, that's coming down the line. Yeah. But he's, uh, the first real hypersexual androgynous black male that I think I ever really saw. Um, yeah. For sure. Four feet tall. Yeah. Little tiny guy. Um, had the custom guitars. And then later in life, I always knew Prince because, you know, you grew up in the late 80s through the early 90s. Prince was around, but I mm -hmm. didn't know until older how incredible of a guitar player Prince was. Yeah, they really kept that hidden from us for a long time. Like, that was something we, we had to, like, seek out ourselves. I think, I think. it's because a lot of the big singles are not very guitar heavy, especially a lot of Purple Rain is much more keyboards and drums Fair. and dancing. Fair, and like, but we'll, you know, we'll get into some of it because, you know, some of the songs we we mentioned do include that. But yeah, you're right. I think for the most part, yeah, the the, the songs that your parents would like. Yeah. The radio the, the hits. royal parents. Yeah, the royal parents. Um, yeah, the radio hits. Yeah, it, it didn't really include that. Now, I do have to say that one of the songs that we couldn't include uh Let's Go Crazy because we discussed it on another episode. I mean, that one's chock full of guitar parts. It is. But I feel like people maybe were just like, oh, well, Prince is the singer. I think a lot of people, casual fans, um, morons, didn't really pay close enough attention to what he was doing. And were just like, oh, he's the singer of this yep. band. But when really he was doing much more than that. The videos... And never, never, we, we weren't able to get that, um, you know, from people back then. I yeah, the, the videos of him performing live are absolute insanity. The yeah. one night only concert. If you, you can buy a record of it, you can get the Blu-ray. It's insane. Dude. Yeah. The, the production this guy would put in, he would not stop dancing and moving. The entire show was never out of breath. Oh yeah. Always 
and then would like start in like a six piece suit. Yeah, I was gonna say he's gotta be sweating the, the whole time too. And yeah, the pirate shirt, and oh, then would yeah. end in like tights and no shirt. Yeah, and like his perm was never out of place. Never, not a single hair. Never. He was fucking incredible. Yeah, the greatest of all time. So yeah, with that, Dave, were there any uh, any songs that missed for you that you weren't able to put on the list? That's you my think? line. You go first. This <laughs> is right. how we do this. All right. So, so I'm Damn. going first. Yeah. What What were your B sides for this week? You. So B-sides for me from Prince were um, a later song called uh, Endorphin Machine. That's a bit more of like, it's from like 95, 96. It's a bit more of like, almost like Prince attempting like 90s grunge. It's way more guitar forward and really overdriven distortion. And kind of like really why almost like, almost like Southern rock sort of sound to it. I think Prince very much experimenting, reaching out, just trying new things. Um, another one for me is a song called I Like It There. That was That's off the of, most Prince song title you could ever have. Yeah. A yeah. very clear sexual innuendo <laughs> um, from his album Chaos and Disorder in 96. Again, that was kind of more of like a like a punk sounding song, almost like an Alice in Chainsy sort of track. Really intense guitar solo in it. And kind of windy, meandering, like almost like slash style lead playing. Uh, really weird and strange that I always really dug. Um, another song is Boom off of Prince's Lotus Flower. Um, another bit of a later release um, that it's kind of like a straightforward, like folky ballad um, of his 2009 album. And then I would say the last for me for a B side from Prince is probably the one that was released on Prince's originals, which is his original recorded versions of songs. He gave away nice is his version of jungle love. Oh, very um, cool. Released by the time. Very cool. Famously performed in um, purple rain by Morris day in the time, but Prince's version it's better. It's Prince. Yeah. It's Prince. And I know. I do day. have to say like the time is fucking cool. Yeah. Like this, there's a song called cool that they do. It's fucking awesome. Yep. The time rules. Yeah. They do. Um, and it's because like Prince produced all their albums, man. And like you know, probably helped get them better by being incredible himself. You know, like what's the what is the uh, um Ash, I can't I can't find the say the the saying right now, but it's basically like, you know, when being around good people that are talented makes you more talented oh, because the rising tide lifts all ships. There there you go. That'll yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. Yeah, so Dave, what about uh, what about you? What just missed for you? Um, so some notable ones that just missed for me. Um, the Future from the Batman soundtrack. I've always really liked that oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the Bat Dance as well. Yeah, the Bat Dance great. is fantastic. Uh, Kiss. Uh, I Want to Be Your Lover. Um, it, beautiful. beautiful. It is beautiful. Um, it's a fantastic song, and I, I it just missed the cut for me. Um and then uh, kind of off the wall one is I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man from Sign of the Times. It's almost like a very like bar rock kind of like song that like dads would, would vibe to. Yeah. Um, I just I, – it, it just more proof that he could literally write any kind of song he wanted to. Like he, yeah, I think it, a, a song that like you could trick someone turned off by the androgyny of Prince. Yes. With that song. And they'd be like, oh, Prince is fucking cool, man. You'd be like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and dude. he fucking shreds in the song too. But like, yeah, like if you if you had some guy 
in a leather jacket sing that song at a bar, everyone would fucking love it. And and then if you, you're right, like if it was Prince, they'd be like, "What the fuck? Yeah, get this guy out of here." Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that's what everybody was like back then. I don't know. <laughs> I, wait, I do know they were. Um, all right. So B sides out of the way. There's a lot of good stuff. Obviously, we're not going to talk about in this episode because he has an. What did you say? Thirty nine studio albums. Thirty nine studio albums. Granted, not all of them are great, but he's still there's some misses. Yeah, for he, sure. He went he went through some phases, which is you know it it is what it is. Take your chances, man. You're Prince. You can do whatever you want. I I also remember before we get into it. There's a there was like a point where he was super young, and somebody like asked him like for like an ID card for, at a venue or something like that, and under occupation he wrote star, and it was before he had ever become like. Anybody knew who he was. He had put really anything out. Like he was legit destined for this shit, which is awesome. Like I love the confidence. It always came through on the records. Yeah, he was he was perfect. He really was. Also, you got to appreciate anybody in a pencil thin mustache. They can like, pull it off. Yeah, they're gonna be. It's like Prince and Vincent Price, and it's really yeah. weird. And John now Waters. I'm, now that I'm saying those names, like back to yeah. back, all three anybody, of those line up real hard. Has anybody <laughs> ever seen? Vincent Price and Prince in the same room together? I don't think so. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, All right, Dan. Why don't we kick things off with your number five pick? All right. So number five for me comes to us from an album that only is streamable via title. Um, This is an agreement Prince had before his death. And it kind of sucks because I don't have title. But it is available on YouTube and you can play it there. There's a song from Prince's 1987 I guess untitled album that was simply referred to as the black album. The song is called two N words United for West Compton. Um, it is a seven and a half minute instrumental funk and soul jam session. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Jam session is the best way to put it. It's absolutely like Sheila E on the drums rips. Yeah, it's she ridiculous. Does. She's fantastic. Like she's doing ride bell stuff. That's so good. The bass solo in the middle will blow your mind apart. And then the keys at the end, the organ, is absolutely face-melting. It's such a cool song. If you don't know about Prince's Black Album, I want to do a little little show-and-tell here. Do it. Um, This was a follow-up immediately to his album, Sign of the Times. And it was to appear with no, no title on it anywhere. Nothing on the sleeve, nothing on the spine. Simply the title of the tracks on the back of it, and that would be it. Um, it was referred to as the Funk Bible during the recording process and pre press release with a hidden message inside the album itself letting you know who it was that recorded it. Uh, it was an attempt by Prince, who, after Sign of the Times came out, was sort of dubbed as going rock, quote unquote. And this album was what Prince considered his attempt to regain his black pop audience. Yeah. And I think this record was so fucking good, man. There's some weird songs on here. Some of them are like pitch shifted down so that he plays characters in it as other characters. There's some songs on here where he's basically mocking rap music, which I think is very odd. Considering Um, he kind of does a hip hop album later in his career. He does. Absolutely. And it's a weird thing that he does here with that but there's also some great songs on here man including this one that is just pure bliss it's like 
if you got to see Prince live, he performed this song twice live um, during recorded concerts, and it shifts the whole tone in it each time. But it's amazing, man. The, the jam sesh that exists from this song is great. Yeah, it's wild. Um, so after Prince released this record and recorded it, um, he became convinced that the album was evil. Okay. And ordered it to be withdrawn a week before its release date. Huh. And it was replaced with the album Love Sexy, which was a brighter pop-oriented album with elements of religious affirmations in it. Huh. Some people consider that to be because of Prince's realigning to his Jehovah's Witness faith Ew. that he decided the Black Album was too evil and didn't want it released. Interesting. Um, it was really a strange move by Prince. There's a lot of contradiction there in the Jehovah's Witness writing songs about sex. Very much so. Very much so. Um, in a week of the album's okay. official release, check this out. Warner Brothers ran an ad at the back of the November 26, 1994 issue of Billboard that offered owners of counterfeit copies a free copy of the legal release provided they mail their bootleg copy in. Interesting. So when it was officially released in 94, they were like, if you give us your bootleg, we'll give you a real copy. However, the offer was only given to the first thousand people who sent theirs in. How many do, do you know how many there were? I they only printed officially a thousand copies. Oh. So I'm wondering how many people lost their bootlegs of it worthlessly and that just got thrown in the trash that were not replaced by the art. By that the label. sucks. So that kind of sucks, but it's lived on in lore, this Prince Black album. I've seen bootleg vinyl copies of it all over the place. It's everywhere. People are always after it, mainly for this song, because it's such a cool departure and really cool jam track. But there are some other weird songs on here that are pretty negative. Um, one that is a com combination of names of a former agent and a former critic of his. And it's a story about a man that gets his wife cheats on him and then he gets killed by his wife's lover. Um, it's pretty wild. And I think that is probably part of the reason Prince thought it was too evil to release. That he might have been like, look, man, this is pretty negative. I don't know if I really want to put that energy out in the universe. So I'm just going to take it back. And I like that it has been officially released. You can listen to it now. It is available out there because it's some of Prince's coolest songs and certainly one of my favorite of all time. So Dave. What he got up for us at number five. All right. Up at number five for me is 1999 by Prince. This is one of the weirdest songs, I think, for us because I feel like our parents and like generations before us grew up with this song like, oh, my God, the future. And like that was like our childhood. Yeah, this is the world we lived in. Yeah. And, and like the weirdest fake, not fake, but like. The biggest, like, disappointment, you know, end of the world, end of times kind of thing that, like, 19, or the year 2000 was supposed to bring. Dude, I remember waiting outside. Y2K. I remember waiting outside for the clock to hit. And at the last, like, 20 seconds, being a little worried something might happen. Yeah. You know what I mean, I mean being, of course, because, like, we were, like, 12. So, yeah. Being yeah. a little, like... I hope everything goes okay. The whole time I was like, wait, so the computers are going to think it's the year 1900 when they didn't exist? What the fuck's going to happen? Yeah. Like, nothing's going to happen. An easily avoidable tragedy. That yeah, it turns out computers are way smarter than we are. 
Yeah. <laughs> like a single line of code, and it was like, everything's fine. Yeah, like, oh, fixed. Yeah. Um, so th- this is one of those uh, amazing kind of songs, and there aren't a ton of them where I think it balances a serious subject matter and a just party jam. I mean, this song is about his, like, nervousness about the Cold War, which is kind of, like, not not common knowledge, I want to say. Um, but it was written in, I think, 1982. Uh, came out on the album 1999 in uh, 1984. It's weird saying all these years and trying to keep track of all of it. Um, so um, he, ref- he had referred to the Soviet Union at some point as the evil empire, which I think is hilarious. Um, but also not because everybody probably did at the time. Um, but like, you know, you, you always think of it being just this like straight party jam, but then he, you know, you think of the lyrics like everybody's got a bomb. We could all die any day. Like that's, that's not a, those aren't party lyrics. Those aren't party lyrics at all. Um, so it's, it's all of our fault for not looking further into this. Um, so in an interview in, uh, in the year 1999, he spoke with Larry King, and this I love this quote, and it was asked about the song, and he says, We were sitting around watching a special about 1999, and a lot of people were talking about the year and speculating on what was going to happen. And I just found it real ironic how everyone that was around me, whom I thought to be very optimistic people, were dreading those days. And I always knew I'd be cool. I never felt like it was going to be a rough time for me. Just, <laughs> I always knew I'd be cool. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the most... <laughs> That's the most Prince statement I could have ever yeah. imagined. Um, I always knew I'd be cool. Yeah. So he... Uh, yeah, I feel like he probably up until his last days just had the most insane confidence of anybody on Earth, which I respect the hell out of. Yeah. Um, the song's great if you're... Uh, if you ever find yourself at, like, a karaoke bar somewhere in Chinatown... Uh, with a bunch of your friends, at least three of you can do this song, and you will have some of the most fun you could ever have, especially when somebody does get to the lyrics of, we could all die any day. Uh, there you go. <laughs> it's fucking wild. Um, yeah, it's this is, like I said, probably one of the biggest party songs of all time. Um, like, I, this is a block party jam. Yeah, it's great. Everybody gets up moves. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. I I love him sharing the vocal duties with the other members of the band, too. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I love how the album art is just, like, the one in 1999 is clearly a dick. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, so yeah. good. Yeah. And so this, when this came out, it was a double A-side single with yep. another song that's on our list. And, um, you know, if you own that single, you may be able to guess, but I won't tell you what it is until later. Um, cool. So with that, Dan, why don't you take us over to your number four pick? All right, number four for me is available on streaming services and will be on Thank the playlist. Thank you. Uh, so number four for me is a later Prince track. This is from 2001 from Prince's 24th studio album titled The Rainbow Children. This song is called Family Name. Um, this is the first album released outside of the NPG Music Club to be released well under the name Prince again, as he had reverted to his previous stage name, uh, which is the symbol moniker, um, a year earlier. So this is the first time he went back to Prince. Uh, this album seems to allude to his recent and, again, conversion to Jehovah's Witnesses denomination, uh, but has a ton of, like, 
Egyptian monotheism, new age concepts, and like uses uh, a lot of uh, uh, Akashic like records and metaphors in it. So I'm not too sure how legit that is because it deals with a lot of Egyptian monotheism. Uh, so it was just kind of, First of all, seems kind of antithesis of, of Jehovah's right. Witness. Yeah. Um, also, use, Egyptian religion, at least then, yeah. ancient Egypt. Absolutely. Especially like the the Egyptian monotheism. Usually, you would think of Egyptians usually pretty polytheist. So well, not now. Yeah, not now. But I mean, then um, ancient Egyptian. Yeah, back. You always think of sun god and like everything, like the god of the dead. Yeah, Amon Ra, Saint Brown, one of their football players. Yes. That his nickname is the Sun God. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, so musically, Rainbow Children marked a shift back to a more organic sound for Prince. So there's live electric drums, no more drum machines. This is a real like it's basically like a jazz quartet behind it, which is super sick. Um, live drums and a ton of horns, which I really really dig. It's very funk fusion forward for Prince. Almost, this, this reminds me of like a, uh, must be banished as you know, like Herbie Hancock and stuff like that. It's a very, yeah, it does like, have that kind of feel. Very cool, electronic, but very jazzy. Um, the album cover features a painting by Sababi Bayak um, called The Rain Keys Quintet. Uh, Prince chose the painting because uh, it's a painting of a woman's band, and he was backed by an all female ensemble when he recorded this record which I think is really fucking cool. Um, this intentionally was not marketed at all by Prince. He didn't put the record out, and he, like, didn't tell anyone about it, which I think is really funny. He just wanted the merit of the songs to sell it. And the song is basically, like, a three-minute intro before it finally gets to Prince singing and, like, the groove of the song hits, and it takes it somewhere. Also, as the bridge hits... And Prince super confidently just hits with a bridge. Yeah. And then it shifts. So ridiculous. The key changes. It's fucking great, dude. It's like the most, like, Chappelle-esque mocking Prince. Sort yeah, of it does. It definitely does feel more like but that. But it's yeah. so it's so good, dude. Um, this is, like, what I think is a really interesting sort of uh, departure from, you know, Purple Rain in 19 and, like, Round the World Sign of the Times where this is much more of a, a funk fusion jazz record. Um, less guitars and keyboards and much more horn saxophone. Where there are keys, it's much more just electric piano rather than yeah. a synth organ. It's really fucking cool, man. It's really smooth, very clean. The production on it is fantastic, man. Mm-hmm. It sounds like I'm sitting in a room with the drums. Yeah. Which I really, really dig. It feels like one of those, like, if you went to, like, Bryn Mawr stereo that they would, like, put on to demonstrate yeah. how incredible their surround sound is. Like, it would be this drum track kind of playing in. And then it, yeah, absolutely. And then especially at certain points, everything cuts out and it hits you with these walls of synth. And then it ends, Prince's guitar comes back in. There's a real solid lead line that he starts playing through the end of the song, yeah. kind of following the vocal line. It's it's fucking excellent, man. And it all kind of starts devolving into like free jazz. Yeah. And everything stops silent and then comes back in with a big fucking ride hit again. It's really cool. I can't say enough good things about this record. I assumed this record was unreachable 
just because it was released in 2001. Yeah. I'm like, man, I probably can't find this. I immediately ordered myself a copy from Discogs. When nice. I started doing some Prince research and getting into some of these, getting into the weeds of some of these, uh, yeah, these deeper these, cut records. Yeah, definitely a deeper cut. I was like, sure. I need to have this. This is so fucking cool. Every song on this record's good. Nice. Uh, but Family Name is my number one. It gets almost like end of Coltrane-esque at the end okay. of the song. It's excellent, dude. All right. Very cool. Uh, so Dave, what do you got up for us at number four? All right. In a completely different uh, Prince vein here, number four for me is Bambi. We're going early. Yeah, we are. We're going early, and we're going a completely different style of Prince. Um, this is Prince writing classic rock, which is amazing, um, because he could literally do no wrong in anything that he did. And uh, this is like... Man, a really underrated guitar riff mm-hmm. um, that I, you know, I'm surprised isn't talked about more by like classic rock aficionados um, or guitar players in general. Like it just kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people, um, but it's one of the most fucking spicy riffs you will ever hear in an electric guitar play. Yeah, man. And then the the juxtaposition of the then gentle vocal. Yeah, like the the classic like loud co- loud chorus soft verse. Yeah, yeah, I fucking love it. But still, you know, still in just perfect overdrive from the era sound because yeah. obviously he had that too. Yeah. Clearly a big old like Russian muff. Yes, like, running it. It's great. We're talking about guitar battles, right? No. Oh yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> it's um, Prince. So yeah, yeah. Good point. I'm talking about both. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because um, <laughs> this song is. <laughs> Very, com- I, I find the lyrics to be a little silly because it's, it's basically him trying to woo a lesbian to not be a lesbian anymore, uh, by Sir. saying, by saying it's better with a man, um, or like does she have or she doesn't have what I have, like kind of little like, problematic Prince there, get it? Yeah, well I mean, but it's but it's Prince, so I feel like if it's sex, it's fair game. If yeah. Talk about Prince. I like, don't he- think there's a person who's better at sex that has lived. Than Prince, I don't think he's. I don't think anybody's made people better at sex than Prince. Yeah, like I think he's he's basically giving us all instruction manuals. Yeah, Yeah. Um, and something you know something to put on during the process. Yeah, Um, yeah. The lyrics are are definitely silly, uh, but you know the song came out in the seventies, so like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, Um, probably wouldn't fly today. Uh, I could see I could see somebody getting away with this in the nineties, but probably not now. and it's just there's not really much about it. I mean, even like the the Prince archive website, like it's got like one paragraph, and it's mostly about how other people did did other versions of it and, and re-recorded it. It's just like a straightforward classic <laughs> rock song, just, man. Just one word, shreds. Yeah, <laughs> like that's yeah. It. I mean, yeah. he just. I feel like so much of what he did was just like you know I want to today I want to play guitar, so he writes a riff and then that's that song, and then the next day he was like. I'm feeling this like drum pattern. Let's focus on that, and then it's like a slower, or, or completely different, off the wall kind of thing from what the previous song was. And it, and it all works. It all flows together. And his voice works for all of it too. Like, yeah, he really could do whatever he wanted. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. All right, Dan. Why don't you take us over to your number three pick? All right. So number three for me, oddly, comes from the exact same record. This is why you want to treat me so bad. Also off of the self-titled 1979 record. Yeah, also like one of the greatest album covers. It's just him and his like 
just tiny bit of hair in the middle of his chest. Just a little tuft. Yeah. With his fucking Super Saiyan Trunks hair. That actually is how my hair looks if I don't if I just don't do anything to it. Does it really got the middle part too? Uh, no, that I don't have. But like the 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 puff the puffiness that's how I look. When I wake up every morning, this is what my wife stares at. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I don't have a mustache. She's a lucky lady. Yeah. <laughs> um, Imagine a lot more chest hair. This was the follow-up single to uh, his first big hit, I Want to Be Your Lover, uh, which yep. we mentioned the B-Sides. Yep. was Prince's track one first, yeah. first big hit. Yeah. And this was the follow-up, man. Um, another incredible showing of Prince's masterful guitar work. Yeah. Whereas for most of the song... It lays dormant. It's mostly a keys-driven song. Until you get to the end. And then my man whips it out. And by it, I mean the guitar solo. And, with his penis. Yeah. And he plays it with his penis. Yeah. Uh, but it's um, kind of his first real rock single, um, with guitars and drums being more prominent role than keyboards. Whereas previously he had singles and songs, but this is like... This was kind of his album where he was like, no, 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 I can play, in case you were wondering. Oh, yeah. Like, like did you, you want all me heard to? For You, where I was making much more of an R&B disco record. I'm departing a little from that. And I always really liked it, man. Um, unfortunately, with him making the conscious effort to release more of a rock record, it only ever really charted on the R&B charts, which kind of sucks. Uh, but Prince yeah. would later come to dominate the U.S. Billboard. Um, with follow-up albums, he had two more before Purple Rain. But when Purple Rain hit, man, boy, did it ever. Although uh, Controversy and Dirty Mind and 1990 would precede until we get to 1999, which is pretty much like the dynamite era of Prince. That's when he really goes full Pink Floyd style and starts putting out 1999, Purple Rain, Around the World in the Day, Sign of the Times, Batman. Yeah. It's fucking nuts, man. Uh, what he's capable of is absolutely insane. And I think this song was kind of the first single taste of it. Or I guess the second single taste. But um, I fucking love it, man. Uh, the solo on this is so badass. And it's so, like, it's still dancing. Like, it it's doesn't take dancing. over as, like, like, it doesn't take over as a shreddy, like, Van Halen, even though he's doing finger tap stuff. Yeah. It's just. And. I mean, it's it's fucking excellent. I can't say enough good things. Everyone needs to love this record. It's perfect, yeah. It's the unsung hero of his catalog. Yeah, I would agree. Fucking be about it. Figure it out. <laughs> so with that, Dave, what do you got up for us at number three? All right. Up at number three for me is Purple Rain. They previously mentioned multiple times. It's Purple Rain. I mean, there's no way we couldn't have it on the list somewhere. Um, it is... One of the greatest ballads ever written. It's slow. It's intimate. It's beautiful. It is one of the greatest uses of a chorus pedal of all time. Yeah. Um, it's the, the guitar like is just so gentle and soft. I, I just I have a hard time finding anything not to like about the song. The fact that it's like four hours long. Um, <laughs> but that's part of it. Like I, it couldn't yeah, be a note shorter. No. It, and I'm glad it isn't. But man, is this just, you know, and going through these lists, you you see some of the like main big time tracks on there and you're like, ah, I don't want to do that because, you know, I don't want to be a basic bitch and just pick the ones that are at the top of the list. But man, this is just, this is just one of the greatest songs ever written. Yeah, it's one and of there's those, no you know, really, 
way to argue it. Yeah, it's yeah. like there's a reason Stairway to Heaven's the best Led Zeppelin. Right, yeah, like it's because <laughs> like, it is. It's just because it is. Um, so comes off the album, the same title, Purple Rain, 1984. We discussed it a couple times already. And, um, I mean, it's it's got all the accolades you could ever want. I think it's number 18 on the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Songs of All Time list. Um, it was it actually never got to number one on Billboard. It, and the, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, believe it or not, is the song that kept it from being number one. Jesus Christ. Which feels like... Fucking not, Wham. Nothing against Wham and that song, but, uh, yeah, this is... That's like... That's like t- uh, fucking um, Forrest Gump beating Shawshank for the grant or for the Oscar, I think, for Best Picture. Or the uh, what's it called? What's the big one? Uh, Dances with Wolves beating Goodfellas. Well, no, because I like in all these others, I like two of those things. And that <laughs> okay. one, I only like one. Gotcha, gotcha. I don't dislike Dances with Wolves. It's just it's too long, and it's just I don't know. It's what like I feel I feel bad. I just at the end of it, I'm just like God, motherfuckers. <laughs> We, ah, ah, damn it. Like, every every scene, you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Here we go. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this song is this song's fantastic. So, uh, this is actually the final song he ever performed live, too. Um, at his final show um, in Atlanta in 2016, um, this, was, this was the last one. So, uh, for anybody who is a fan, it should hold a special place in your heart if, if for no other reason than for that. I'm sure most of us have heard the song millions and millions of times at this point, but it really is that good and really is Dude, worth talking when about. When he performed this at the Super Bowl, oh. as it started raining, yes, fuck. Oh my god, one <laughs> of the maybe the great. I would argue the greatest halftime show ever. Yeah, ever 100%, done. The best one. The, yeah, ever done. There's no. There's no one will ever do it better. No, like it was incredible. Yeah, I mean, this is this is his Hey Jude. I think it's it's the it, but it shows unlike Hey Jude, it shows off one artist and so many things they can do. When he's screaming at the, at the vocals, he plays nasty guitar on here. He gets he gets slow and yeah, and low doing with the it. great R and B ad lib and stuff. Like you know what it's yeah, gotta be, girl. Yeah, like, it's, it's, oh my it's god, great. it's amazing. It's probably like the song you think about most when you see people swaying back and forth holding a lighter. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's everything you would want in a slow ballad. It's probably inspired hundreds of thousands of songs at this point. Um, like I said, I mean, just the chorus pedal sound in this this track alone. I love the it's bend just, that the guitar solo comes yeah. in on. Just that bang. Yep. You're like, ugh. Dude, it's... Like, you can feel it. You can feel perfect. it in your body. Yeah, another just like fantastic one to karaoke to, man. Just it's then, got it all. And then ending in the ooze, yeah, <laughs> like Oliver and Company. Yeah, yeah shout out Disney. Um, yeah, I love it. All right, Dan, take us over to your number two pick. Number two for me comes to us from 2004. I'm going, I'm going late, yeah, Prince. Real again. late, real late, Prince off of Musicology. His number, his 28th studio album. Get pretty close to the end there. Uh, the song is called Call My Name. It is a, I would say, it is the most soulful Prince song to me. Yeah. It is the most in line with like 
and Otis Redding and Al Green alike. A slow, even like Barry Whitey, like slow sex jam. Like this is they're the all shit. They're all sex jams. Like this even is the rock what, ones are This sex is jams. what like the weekend grew up listening to, and being like, I want to be that. Oh, for it's sure. Songs like this, man. It's so strong. Um, Musicology proved to be Prince's most successful record in years, peaking at number three on the Billboard 200 and reaching top 10 in 10 other countries. So this was like a bit of a resurgence in his career, which is pretty cool. Won the Grammy for Best Male uh, R&B Vocal Performance. And although it wasn't officially released as a single, is the funniest part. Um, this song peaked at number 75 on the Billboard Hot 100 and 27 on the R&B charts, even though it was never officially put out as a single. So people just liked it and played it on the radio so much that it had to make the charts, which I think is fucking awesome. Um, his first album in over a decade that he recorded outside of Paisley Park, he went to an unpronounceable city in Ontario, Canada to record most of this album. Pronounce it. Give us a little. I, uh, I'm i really afraid to. So Mississauga. Mississauga. <laughs> Um, Can't be worse than how I did Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> we, we forgot to fact check that, by the way. Oh, yeah, we did. That's nah, okay. Somebody somebody come find us in the street and tell us. <laughs> yeah, see me in the streets. <laughs> um, catch me outside. Um, this album, it, the funny thing, it was given to concert goers on the Musicology Tour from March 27th to September 9th and then released officially at the end of that tour that he gave it out to everybody else but I thought it was a pretty cool thing that like if you came to the tour you got a copy first and it wasn't until the end of the tour that everybody else was allowed to have it which I think is pretty fucking cool man um slow soulful I love the snap of the bass on this track I think uh the little fills they have and like oh yeah no electric piano it's it all sounds like acoustic piano which is pretty cool um not something I hear a lot in Prince, which is pretty neat to me. And I mean, it's just so gentle and sweet, man. Yeah, it is. It's it's great. It's it doesn't sound like confident Prince that's gonna tear your ass up. It's like Prince that misses you and wants you to know how he feels about you. That's that's which pretty. Is good a side Prince. of Prince I haven't seen a lot of. And so it's pretty good Prince. I'm not gonna lie. It's real good Prince. It's pretty good Prince. <laughs> So with that, Dave, what do you got up for us at number two? All right. Up at number two for me is When Doves Cry. Another one from 19... Uh, uh, from Sorry, from... Released in 1984 from the album Purple Rain, not 1999. Um, this is, uh, I guess, kind of like another intimate, you know, one, you could say. I mean, starting... Starting just full on in your face with that little guitar riff is just such like a incredible way for Prince to be showing off his his artistry. I think um, this is one of like the earliest music videos I can remember with him like riding the motorcycle. Oh yeah, which like doesn't really fit the song super well. I no. don't think at no. all. But uh, it doesn't. I enjoyed it. This song doesn't scream motorcycle culture to me. No. Not at all, um, but you know th they went for it. So um, apparently, this song was requested. Well, the director of the film 1984 requested 
that Prince write a song that um, kind of was focused more on parental dif- difficulties in an affair. Um, and this is what he came up with. Um, he was also uh, inspired by his relationship with Vanity at the time. Um who was part of a group that was also um, actually he was it was he was in a relationship with two of the girls from the group Vanity Six I believe um, who was back the backup singers for his band which is you know not the most surprising thing in the world um, considering it's Prince um, but Vanity herself was also like kind of like a total babe yeah um, I would expect no less from Prince yeah um, so this song is has or is part of one of the, maybe the funniest Simpsons scenes of all time too when they're fighting the kids are fighting Shelbyville and Millhouse like turns around and there's a Millhouse from Shelbyville and he's like somehow it comes out that the kid's name is Millhouse <laughs> he's like your name is Millhouse too I thought I was the only one and then Millhouse goes so this is what it sounds like when doves cry <laughs> and then, it changes. Oh my god! Is it like one of the hardest I've ever laughed at a cartoon? Um, it's perfect. It's also just a fucking killer track. I hate that I'm I'm going a little um, purple rain heavy here, but it's hard when you write a masterpiece like that to like yeah. not include multiple Absolutely. songs. Absolutely. It's also wild that most of the song is just drums and vocals with like sparse instrumentation. Yeah. Behind it, just enough to like carry a melody with the yeah. keys. Yeah. Like. And like still very little. Like it's almost an acapella song. It's really kind of wild yeah. how he does it. And that big cannon shot snare yeah. too. Oh yeah. Total 80s snare yeah, right there. Like re- that's about really his good. somewhere Phil Collins is creaming his jeans <laughs> yeah. every time this snare hit happens. Actually, wait, really... Phil Collins wears slacks. What am I talking yeah. about? This this yeah, he's never worn jeans. Yeah. Like <laughs> Dude, some kind of pleb. Dude's been wearing baggy khakis his whole life. Yeah. yeah. Pulled up to here. Yeah, pulled up to his nipples. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this album. I mean, I didn't, I didn't throw it in my B sides because I was like, let's just say, you know, any song not mentioned yeah. on Purple Rain is fair. a B side. Fair, fair, fair. Darling Nikki is one of the greatest Prince songs, and probably the most underrated. Like yeah. that one is never discussed when we, even in this record, it yep. it's towards the end. And it's it's filthy. That's yeah. the best part about it. Like yeah. masturbating with a magazine, filthy. Yeah. And this is also like, so we were talking about it before we started recording, but I think the electronic drums Prince is my favorite version of Prince. That's your favorite era of Prince. It, it was just, it just fit him the best, I think. Like you could argue that some of the more soulful stuff he did, like you just discussed, makes more sense for, for the kind of artist that he was. But man, he, he was, I think he was built for that. Like if... It's hard for me to put into words, but I, I, I truly believe that this mid-80s sound for him was the best of both worlds. It was the best of what the 80s could do and the best of what Prince could do, in my opinion. The, the snare works so... It's so out of place in so many songs that came out around then, but I think it's perfect in what he does. Because it kind of carries empty spaces instead of taking over and distracting you like it does in so many other songs with like a million synth sounds happening at the same time because they were just like oh shit we could do all this I'll just jam them all in yeah yeah cacophony of sound and you're like no no, less is no, no. More. yeah it's like it's like watching the phantom menace for the first time you're like no they just they just found out they could do all this shit and did it all <laughs> they didn't well they didn't pull anything back this is terrible yeah. um 
Why is the force genetic? Yeah, please. Many chlorians, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't believe that's where we got to. But yeah. All right, Dan. Um, why don't you take us over to your... Are we on number one? We're on number one. Pick. We're on number one. We're on your number one pick. All right, baby. Let's have it. My number one pick. This also, is what I'm we so, mentioned before. I'm so fucking mad at you. This is number one. This is the second single from 1999 released in 1982. This Little Red Corvette. This is a song that is... This a, song is sex. It is a chorus. It's a chorus. There is some other stuff in between, but this song's a chorus. No, this... And probably this is, the strongest Prince ever wrote. Yeah. It is the chorus that is constantly moving up. Yep. It's so... Just like your penis fucking when you listen to the song. It is. And it's... It is if the song one. that was described as the most direct about sex song Prince has ever written. I mean, it's cl- very which clearly is, about which yeah. is a great, a great statement to be yeah. made about him. Like all the sex songs Prince has, this is the most direct. She had a pocket full of Trojans, and some of them used. Yes, yeah, some of them used. Wonder what that's about. Um, this is the song that is a hundred percent. The song is just about his feelings. The sensations, the 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 memories, and I think also the trepidations that he has or had about casual open sex, and it's it's a little bit about how the desire and the feeling is equally weighed for him with understanding the risk yeah. of how much he enjoys it. Yeah, and it's you know, and a song about a woman um, being the little red Corvette. Yeah, um, and how. It's dangerous and it's not practical and it's not smart. This isn't the, this isn't the uh, relating the woman to a car. Like this isn't the sensible choice. But right. man, does it look good and is it so fun? Yeah. And knowing that, like, yeah, it might crash, but like, I'm here and I'm yeah. taking the ride, whether whether it be a car or a person. And it is the, uh, this song combines the. Lynn LM1. Yeah. Drum machine. Uh with yeah. this like slow synth buildup mm-hmm. to this big rock chorus. Um with using all the metaphors. And it's supposedly about recalling a single one night stand he had with a beautiful and very famous promiscuous model. Um, which Prince to his grave just said he would not discuss who it was about. Sure. But he said Somebody asked him, do we know them? And he said, you couldn't not. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting. We'll call her L. Simpson. No, that's too obvious. We'll go yeah. with Lisa S. We'll go with Lisa <laughs> S. Um, uh, at the point, this was Prince's highest charting single and his first to reach the top 10 in the U.S., peaking at number six. This was a big, fat hit. Yeah, man. Um. I think it's the perfect example of Prince's post-disco sound. Yeah. This was when it absolutely hit the top it could. He was done with controversy. He's done with the Mm self-titled, with the disco-y tracks. He's like, nope, we're on to this now. Yeah. You're getting drum machines. You're getting loud electric guitar, synths, walls of them. And yodeling. Yodeling. Don't forget the yodeling. (laughs) You can't forget the yodel. Cannot, because he somehow pulls that off in this song. It's just such a, like... Three words is just the chorus, mm-hmm. and it's just so good, man. Yeah, and you you could know none of the song, and you walk away ten minutes later, still go little red Corvette. Like, it's so catchy it's so and amazing. 
It's my favorite Prince song. It's it's mine too. Uh, and I gave away the number one pick because I wanted back to back picks, thinking that Dan would do something silly with the number one pick. Um, and this is you know that's that's the risky take, and I lost today. It's the risky take, boys. Um, but I get to I I still get to do a good one at number one. Um, there so there used to be, and I don't believe it's been re-uploaded because it was probably just some random person that had it. There was a time when Prince kind of like stripped all of his music from streaming services, like Mm -hmm. really years, years ago. And before he was on Spotify, uh, it was just just YouTube. And somebody had a live video from the 80s of him doing this. And there was like a six minute intro of just the drum machine. And it, it wasn't quite the same. It was slightly different. And whatever that slight difference was, was so fucking cool because the drum machine was like the loudest thing you've ever heard and i watched that video i there was probably like a thousand views and i was probably all thousand of them i was obsessed with it and this song and i still am to this day it's perfect it's literally a perfect song. it is perfect it's yeah i know it's not it's it's not as i think it's not the song that comes to mind for a lot of people for the best print song but probably not those people are dumb but it did for both of us because it would have been my number one too all right, Dave. So what do you got up for us at number one? All right. Up at number one for me is I Would Die For You. And I didn't even realize it as I was going through that I did three straight songs off of Purple Rain. But you know what? When you write an album that's that's that fucking perfect, uh, what am I supposed to do? Um, I think this is my second favorite Prince song after Little Red Corvette. But I think this one, more than many others, really... Uh, emphasizes his personality outside of music too the lyrics I'm not a woman I'm not a man I am something that you'll never understand is probably something that wasn't really said out loud at the at the time and probably pretty controversial and to uh, assholes and important for people who are going through kind of an identity crisis at the time and I think that his androgynous I guess that's how you say that. Androgyny. Um, androgyny um, is an important part of him and his character and who he was. And I don't think that you any song that he ever wrote drives that point home more than this one. Um, the drum machine is going fucking wild throughout yeah. the whole thing. That snare is just constant. yeah. It's just it's it's the original trap. It's the original trap hi hat. I think. It's just. It's kind of bouncy and fun, but it's also mysterious and interesting at the same time. Um, I, I, I love this song so much. Yeah. Like, it, a lot of different instrumentation again here, like after the chorus, that little, like, uh, gap between the chorus and then the second verse. Just little synth sounds that I are love, just unusual for him. I pre-chorus slip back that hits. Yes. Yes. Like, is. That's uh, great. Yeah, and, and, and like I said, I mean, I, I can't emphasize enough how important a song like this probably was for people who were also androgynous or feeling different. And here comes one of the biggest artists of the time saying, I'm not a woman, I'm not a man, I'm something you'll never understand, is huge for for their you know ability to come out and you know be proud of who they are and talk about it openly and be different. And... Um, you know, that's part of what gets probably part of what held Prince back from a lot of people 
um, back in the day and probably what kept us from or people who grew up in our era from considering him in the same vein as like a Led Zeppelin or a you know some of the other big classic rock kind of bands yes yeah. I think he absolutely deserved it and I think um, yeah, like it, like Prince is 10 times the artist that Van Halen was oh no doubt and no somehow doubt they are considered bigger in the classic rock world yeah by and far I don't understand it yeah and 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 nobody ever well I, I think unfortunately race probably has something to do with it and yeah, yeah. sexual orientation probably has something to do with it and and unco- like you know they were like prince fuck chicks dude like of course so like it's yeah. just that perceived like femininity that people like Ugh. yeah and I, they, it was but it's like prince like prince took down more of the hottest women you've ever seen than you could probably fathom yeah like i can't like yeah it's a, like, it's the classic like the hit list he could just whip out and like it's it's the classic like dude sitting on his couch telling uh you know the quarterback to throw the ball yeah as yeah, he's right? like crushing cheetos this team could never pass man, yeah if like, i was out on that ice. It's, it, exactly like yeah. yeah like you know everybody's armchair quarterbacking um everything in life so that makes perfect sense and i think you know that's that probably all of this probably factored into it uh also, and it's also sh- a pioneer for tiny sunglasses pioneer for everything man also i think too like pe- it was a joke to call him the artist formerly known as you know what i mean like that was like you know they probably talked about that on weekend update on snl that like, was that was like, such that's, a that's such an understated and cool thing though yeah that like that whole thing with sony owning his masters and the rights to his name. So he's like, well, good. I'm releasing records not under my name. Yeah. Now you have to call me this. And at that point, that's not common knowledge. So people think he's a weirdo and the, yeah. this or that. And and that's, you know, unfortunately, he probably he is a weirdo. But like, yes, all the best. But he's ways. our weirdo. <laughs> and he's we love him. For weirdo it. and weirdo like David Bowie was a weirdo. Exactly. Yeah. And I think and that I would love to hear him considered more in that conversation. I would completely agree. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, a lot of people's dads went and saw David Bowie because of his not glam stuff mm-hmm. that, um, you know, and probably still thought it was weird as shit when they got there and saw saw people wearing makeup that they weren't used to seeing or, you know, whatever. But that, that's that was part of life at that time. And unfortunately for us, we got to him too late. But fortunately for us, we're at a point in time when... We can still enjoy the shit out of him and did get to enjoy the shit out of him and will for the rest of our lives. I had an opportunity to see him at the Academy of Music no. in 2014. Ugh. And I I was like, maybe I should go. I was talking to my buddy Mike about it. But we were like, ah, dude, a ticket's like $200. Ah, yeah. But like, I at that point, I didn't know or hadn't been told about how amazing of an artist Prince was live. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, the one head writer for for uh, Rolling Stone magazine tells you the five best shows he's ever seen in his life are four Kiss concerts and a Prince concert. Well, I only agree and with one of those. He's like, as far as the production, the dancing, the stage setup, he's like, Prince was unbelievable. And yeah. I was like, it's probably true, man. Yeah. Like, uh, when you see that, that one night only – it just makes you want to be there so bad. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Roy Holiday came to the Montgomery Mall, I think, one time, and I had this giant picture, like, framed picture of him um, with, like, a patch from one of his jerseys in it. And I was like, ah, I'm like a fucking 20-year-old dude. I can't be – no, I was definitely older than that. I was probably, like, 24. I was like, I can't bring this into the mall and have this man sign this for me. And then he fucking died. Jeez. So, um, yeah, not to be down 
uh, at the end of the episode. But yeah, you know, life's full of regrets, I guess. Anyway, <laughs> Prince, this is fun. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. We might be skipping December, just an early heads up for the artist series because we do have uh, a very special end of the year uh, recap like we did last year. And that, I think, is very important um, because we don't always get a chance to talk about strictly current music on here because that's hard to do um it's better to do a year in review than it would be like a week or a month so um that's a cool one and we're really looking forward to that so uh look out for another artist series probably in january i'm guessing yeah i think we'll um, be back with our with our artists at that point then. yeah um because of the holidays and because uh i will be having a baby and um and because we have the plan two-parter for for the year in review um yeah well like i said we'll probably just just um uh put the next artist series for january but we're not we're not taking it away because this is i'm i'm, I'm enjoying these I, th- I think you are too yeah it's great um this is this is really fun and it gives us a chance like you did with this one to like really dig into some um you know maybe not so well known like i you know my list didn't necessarily include some of that but yours certainly did um and so hopefully this is uh, a good example of songs that maybe um, some of you haven't heard from Prince or some of these other artists that we're highlighting before. Um, if not, great. And if so, great too. I mean, cool. Let us know what you thought about them. Um, so don't forget to like and subscribe on social media or on um, your favorite podcasting apps, I should say, so you're kept up to date when the new episodes come out. Just this week, for example, uh, we unfortunately put an episode out a uh, day late because of some work commitments that I had, but um, you know, that that'll happen sometimes. So follow us along on there. So you know exactly when everything comes out, same with social media. Um, that's the best way to keep, be kept up to date on um, what we're doing and when, and uh, the best way for you to interact with us. Dan, tell everyone where they can find us. All right. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram under at D and D music factory. That's the letter D, the letter N, and the letter D again, followed by Music Factory. Uh, you can find me personally at, at LukewarmSteveAustin on Instagram and D-